This is Business Law for Everyone, where I bring you answers to some of the most commonly asked questions from clients. My name is Zach Schick, and I'm a practicing attorney in the state of Oregon. Now, with every good attorney comes a good disclaimer. This is not direct legal advice to your specific and unique situation, and I'm not your attorney. Laws and rules change over time and vary by jurisdiction. My goal is to give access to information that people do not have the resources or time to get otherwise. With that, let's get into the episode. We made it to partnerships, and we're going to start the partnership relationship at the end with what we will call the business breakup. Think of marriage and divorce. You know, every couple gets married with the best intentions to stay together forever. Well, I should stay away from absolutes, but generally people get married with the intention to stay together forever. And then we can look at the divorce rate. Business partnerships are similar. Business partners enter their relationship with the best intentions, but it is common for business relationships to end. A good partnership agreement from the outset can make a huge difference on whether this relationship ends in a messy divorce, fighting over every last cent, or amicably. Let's start with the unfortunate but fairly common situation. Say there are two business partners and the relationship has deteriorated over time. They enter their arrangement on a 50-50 basis, but one partner feels they do all the work and wonders why they are giving half the business profits to someone who sits back just to collect a check. They had all the best intentions when they started their business, but poor feelings have festered to a breaking point. Can either partner simply withdraw from the company? What happens to their equity in the organization if they do? What happens to the equity in the company's assets? Can they buy each other's interest in the company? If so, at what price and under what terms? Can they simply sell their interest to a third party or give it to a family member? To answer these questions, they must go to their partnership agreement. Now, so many partnerships out there either do not have a partnership agreement or they bought a standard one online. If you don't have an agreement or went with the standard agreement, you may not be happy during what we call this business breakup. The default is normally that you have as much power as your ownership interest. So in a 50-50 partnership, no matter who does what work in the business, you each have equal management power, 50%, which means you cannot do anything without the other's approval. You can't sell your interest, can't take the business in another direction, you can't dissolve the business, you can't even withdraw from the company, without the approval of your partner. Do you see the somewhat hostage scenario that is forming? I often get the question, what do you mean I can't just leave? Being an owner is different from being an employee where you can simply quit your job. You own part of this business. If it is a corporation, you own shares. If it is an LLC, you own a membership interest. If you just walk away, what happens to that interest? And it's not just the ownership interest, This translates into an interest in the assets of the business. Maybe it's rental properties or products, could be intellectual property, or simply the goodwill of a business name the two of you have built up. These are things you don't just want to walk away from. Okay, hopefully I have painted a grim enough picture that we can actually get into the partnership agreement. Because the best way to deal with all these situations is upfront when you're entering into the business relationship, when everything is cheery and optimism is endless. This is the time. 
Here is when you want to add in to the agreement what are often called buy-sell provisions. Buy-sell provisions cover situations such as the ones we talked about, when one partner wants to withdraw, sell their interest, and also situations such as if a partner dies or becomes disabled, if they go bankrupt. We will call all of these under the umbrella term transfer events. So we have our buy-sell provisions in a partnership agreement that deals with these transfer events. When you're going through these transfer events, it's helpful to first think of the default. What would happen if you did nothing? We can do a couple together. Let's start with, I don't know, how about death? Say you bought an apartment complex with your friend. All is going well when a tragic accident happens and your friend dies. Per their estate plan, all their assets, including their interest in the apartment complex and business, goes to their spouse or child. Now all of a sudden you're in business with someone totally different. Or maybe they made a specific transfer on death designation to Carl. I don't know who Carl is, but neither do you, and you're the one who now has to work with him. No one wants to work with Carl. Sorry all the Carls out there, I just chose a name at random. Let's go with the next scenario. No one dies, but your business relationship starts to break down, and your partner just decides to sell their shares to the first person they can find. Well, first, this puts you at risk in violating securities laws, but again, you end up working with someone you don't want to. Maybe it's Carl. Okay, I'll stop with Carl. Final scenario. Let's say one of you simply stops working. Your partner is in charge of customer accounts, and they are not performing their job function. Should they still be able to get half of the business profits? The default says yes. These are bleak scenarios, especially if you're just beginning your business journey, but they are real scenarios that you should prepare for. You can customize your partnership agreement to account for these situations and more in really flexible ways. A common scheme is to provide that upon these transfer events, the remaining owner gets a first option to purchase the interest of the owner that is leaving or even from their estate if they died. To pick an example from above, if your partner wants to withdraw, they must first offer their ownership interest to you at an agreeable or predetermined price. It would be best to write out either the purchase price or a way to fairly determine the purchase price and payment terms directly into the agreement. An example could be to determine the price using a qualified appraiser and payment will be made over five years at 7% interest. So basically, upon any transfer event, the remaining owner or multiple remaining owners, if the company has more than two, gets the first option to purchase the leaving owner's interest at the already agreed upon terms. Again, what you can do is very flexible. The key is defining your transfer events, defining them well, and the process of what happens during any of them. Details are important here. It is so much easier to negotiate these points at the beginning of the business relationship than when an owner is actually leaving or the relationship has already broken down. I will give one more popular option for withdrawal for 50-50 owners. Now this only works for a 50-50 situation where you naturally run into this head-on-head -head voting lock issue. It is known as the Solomon's Clause. The Solomon's Clause says that if a 50% owner wants to leave, they offer to sell his or her ownership interest to the other 
at whatever price and terms they want. But at the same time, they must offer to purchase the other's ownership interest at exactly the same price and terms that they are offering. Once the offer is made, either the other owner accepts to buy or they decide to sell to the offering shareholder. There are only these two options. The idea is to force owners to give reasonable terms. So if you own a small business and you say to your partner, okay, I'm willing to sell you my shares for a million dollars in cash. Well, the risk there is the other person may say, no, I'm not going to buy it for a million dollars, but I'm definitely willing to sell you my shares for a million dollars. And now you are stuck having to buy shares for a million dollars when maybe they're only worth $10,000, $50,000. So it really forces you to be reasonable in what you're asking for in the price and terms. It's really, you'd only make an offer that you are willing to purchase yourself. Now this result can be harsh, but also effective. I will say one thing careful here is that you shouldn't use the Solomon's Clause when one partner has sufficiently more wealth than the other. This can create quite a disparity in this clause. However, this may be mitigated if you include price and terms in the agreement. See, with everything in the partnership agreement, what's great about it is the flexibility. Okay. Let's stop there. That, that'll conclude our initial journey into partnerships and buy-sell provisions. As you hopefully see, outlining these transfer events from the outset can save you immense stress and money, money and legal fees fighting it out down the road. They are great conversations to have with your business partners to build mutual expectations from the get-go. As you get deeper into these conversations, discussing them with an experienced attorney can really help guide your decisions and point out options or scenarios you may not have thought of. Now, it may not be the immediate next episode, but we are going to dive deeper into partnerships and the partnership agreement.